Hey folks, this is Alex with a quick personal note, because this episode of the podcast releases on March 21st of 2022. Fun fact about March 21st, that is my birthday. I think I can share a personal thing like that, right? March 21st is my birthday. Anyway, I'm sharing that it's my birthday to share it, and also because I have a gift in mind. I would love it if we had the financial foundation to pay guests of this show for their time, and we are almost there. And I really mean we are almost there. That's our next group goal on Patreon. We're aiming for a collective level of support that would make guest pay possible. I think that would be an absolutely wonderful thing to do. Very, very, very few podcasts are able to do that. And so it's always been a goal of mine. It's always been a priority of mine. And if you visit the Patreon for this show at sifpod.fun, if you visit that Patreon, you will see that we are about 10 patrons away from getting there, you know? So, like, good news, the show has been growing, and we're getting close to that thing. So I would be overjoyed if we can get there, especially if we get there on my birthday. I, w- I would love to receive the gift of, you know, have enough show with the Financial Foundation to do that good thing, to pay guests for their time, to pay them in more than exposure. And that's the message. That's it. If you go to sifpod.fun, you can join the Patreon, help make that thing possible, and get a bunch of other benefits, too. I'm going to go eat some babka as a special treat, and I hope you enjoy the treat of this episode. Tuna. Known for being fish. Famous for being food. Nobody thinks much about them, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why tuna are secretly incredibly fascinating. Hey there, folks. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. My guests today are Candace Martellaro and Valerie Tossi. Candace Martellaro is an old pal of mine from sketch comedy in L.A. She's also a comedy writer with TV credits such as the very funny show Stan Against Evil on IFC. And Candace is a producer on my favorite, like, returned YouTube comedy show. I loved season one, and they are now releasing season two of Hanging with Dr. Z. Hanging with Dr. Z is a very special comedy show. It is a late night show hosted by Dr. Zayas from Planet of the Apes, like the ape character. He's also a swinging Hollywood actor and late night talk show host in the world of this. Amazing real guests on it. I just watched one with Ron Funches. They also have Maria Bamford, Dave Foley, Dana Gould. Wink, wink, wink. Tremendous show. It's free on YouTube. Hanging with Dr. Z. And Candace is working on that. It's great. And then Valerie Tossi is a comedian, actor, and writer. And she has a new stand-up album that I really, really enjoyed. It's called Beach Trash. And it was recorded at the Comedy Attic in Bloomington, Indiana, which is an amazing club out there in Bloomington. Just really funny hour. Please listen to it. Please check it out. And I'm so glad Valerie and Candace are here for this podcast about a topic we're all pretty stoked about, as you'll discover. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Canarsie and Lenape peoples. Acknowledge Candace recorded this on the traditional land of the Gabrielino Mortongva and Keech and Chumash and Fernandinho Tadaviam peoples. Acknowledge Valerie recorded this on the traditional land of the Gabrielino Mortongva and Keech and Chumash peoples. And acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode. And today's episode is about tuna. A self-explanatory topic. Also, one quick thing to say about it. We talk about tuna biology, but we aren't comprehensive about every species of tuna that exists. We're going to focus on a couple key ones that are super common or have super amazing stories about them. Also, here's an early number for the show. Stats, numbers. 15. 15 is the number of tuna species the U.S. Food and Drug Administration says you can call tuna on packaging or on a menu. Otherwise, it's another kind of fish. So this show is about the most common and most amazing members 
of a large set of fish. There's 15 within just those restrictions, and there's more that other people call tuna and stuff. We're going to focus on the most amazing ones. Only other note, if you've heard the episode of this podcast about jellyfish, you know that I have a phobia of many sea creatures, especially jellyfish. I really white-knuckled that one. If you haven't heard it, it's quite an experience to hear it. But uh, but anyway, I am not phobic about tuna. For, for some reason, I'm pretty good with what I think of as the fish-shaped fish, which I know is a silly way to put it. But they, you know, they're, they're really fishy fish, the tunas, and I'm, I'm cool with them. It's good. And there you go. So please sit back or stand over the sink where you opened your can of tuna and are proceeding to eat your can of tuna, too. Either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Candace Martellero and Valerie Tossi. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Candace, Valerie, it's so good to have you both. And of course, I always start by asking guests their relationship to the topic or opinion of it. Either we can start, but how do you feel about tuna? Oh, um, well, I am a sushi idiot, so I love tuna. I will eat it. I mean, if I if you're willing to eat it raw, I feel like you're pretty down with tuna. <laughs> I love to eat tuna. This is going to sound so deep and so stupid, but my when I was little, my grandma taught me how to make like this really good tuna salad, and it was so easy to make. It was something I could make for lunch for myself as like a little kid. Wow. And so I... That began my relationship with eating tuna. I don't know if I necessarily love tuna, like, in a fish tank or something, but, like, yeah. <laughs> in a fish tank? <laughs> that's, uh, I think that's called an aquarium. <laughs> I mean, I can't just put it yeah. in my, like, fish tank in my bedroom and have my pet tuna. No, I don't think it works like that. <laughs> In fact, last night I was like, I'm going to eat tuna tonight in case whatever we talk about today ruins it forever. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw that, yeah. And I don't think we ruin it. They're just very exciting. And keep eating them if people like it. But uh, yeah, tuna, I the I think I always thought they were small because the picture on the can is small. But they're very large. You can't really have them at home so much, as far as I can tell. They're very big. <laughs> yeah, obje objects on can are larger than they appear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I have kind of a fun tie-in with canned tuna. My yeah. uh, That might my be the saddest sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my, my grandfather used to be the creative director at Leo Burnett back in the 60s, the big ad agency. Oh, my and God. One, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty exciting thing. But one of the big accounts that he oversaw was Starkist. Um, wow. So I have, this is going to sound so insane, I have a ton of Charlie Tuna merch from the 60s in my <laughs> apartment. <laughs> How did you Candace. bury the lead on this one, Candace? <laughs> yeah. I know I was focused on the tuna salad that my other grandparents taught me, and I forgot all about Charlie the tuna. <laughs> oh my God, Candace, are you are you a tuna heiress? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm swimming in all that sweet sweet tuna money. Okay, you <laughs> did say swimming, so I think right. you I think I think that it's obvious that you have family that worked in advertising. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, now I want to know if the merch is worth anything, right? It's, it's gotta be some kind of Mad Men era priceless chicken of the sea or whatever stuff. No, or, or it's Charlie Tuna, so it's Starkist, but you know what I mean? Like, I should yeah. Look it up. <laughs> are they, um, are they, are they dolphin friendly or are you a monster? <laughs> no, it, it says, it says dolphin friendly on the can. Dolphin safe is what it says. I like, oh, okay. I like friendly better. I want, I want them to high five on the way by. <laughs> <laughs> I missed the net again. Good job, bro. And just plap, you know, just a really wet high five. <laughs> a really wet high five. <laughs> Cleaning the glasses after both of them. The dolphin has glasses. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have to match. And a little hat, a little beret type. It's not a beret. It's a like a driver's cap. Type <laughs> Man. <laughs> wow. This is amazing. I Yeah. Because we'll talk later about kind of the rise of tuna in the U.S. I'm very excited, Candice, that your your grandparent was involved and in like a Don Draper way. Great. Yeah. Good. Yep. 
Yeah. Good. <laughs> Keep it up. He, uh, I don't want to go too down this path, but Don Draper comes from the name Draper Daniels, which was my grandfather's boss. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, very Don Draper. Yeah. So your grandfather is Peggy yeah. Olson. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, great. Yes. <laughs> Makes sense. Illegitimate baby and everything. Oh, dang. <laughs> God, that's so cool. I'm joking. My grandfather was never pregnant. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I said I'm joking. I love that you thought I was serious in that. You were like, I, I like, said. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Valerie, it's a joke. I don't know if you're What are awake. those? I don't, I've never heard of them. <laughs> we're about facts. Get out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When I yeah I, uh, I know some people don't like tuna in the world, but I also I really enjoy eating tuna. But mainly as like canned tuna, and also every time I open a can, our cats think it's for them, and they get really oh, mad. Oh yeah, that's that's yeah, my main yeah. tuna situation now. Yep, same. Yeah. Oh okay. Do we all have cats? I don't have a cat. I wish I had a cat. I think does Drew count? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Drew's my living yeah, cat. He's your rescue. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm 99% sure that's a human. That's a human, right? Yeah. He's, he's my boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's pretty sure. <laughs> I've seen him eat stuff out of the can. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, uh, and from here, I think we can get into facts about tuna, this wonderful food and animal. And on every episode, our first fascinating thing about the topic is a quick set of fascinating numbers and statistics. This week, that's in a segment called Like a Statistician. Counting for the hundredth time, <laughs> like a statistician. Sums and totals start to align. That and... is the best one. No, no, no. no oh, no. sorry. Did, did I just did I just cut you <laughs> well, off? You're good. Yeah, it's cool. Wow, okay, Candace, okay, okay. he was coming that... in for that hook, and you really dressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll put my guitar away. It's fine. <laughs> it's whatever. <laughs> The show's not ruined. <laughs> frown, frown, frown. That's <laughs> no, <it's> cool. <laughs> Man, never did I think that statistician and Madonna would come together, but here we are. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and that name was submitted by Adam Miller. Thank you, Adam. You did it. And we have a new name for this every week. Please submit them uh, to SifPod on Twitter or SifPod at gmail.com. Please make them as silly and wacky and bad as possible. And, uh, and yeah, we're going to just start big with the tuna numbers here. The first number is 1,496 pounds. 1,496 pounds. That's over 678 kilograms. It's the weight of the largest tuna ever caught. We will, of course, have a picture linked. I've shared it with the guests. Very excited about this. We, we, there's like an all-time tuna. We know. I, I have no, I don't know even what to say. Because when, when you sent me that photo, I was like, <laughs> This thing is Jaws. Like, this isn't, yeah. like, yes. this is not. It's so yeah. insane. I was like, that thing is going to, that's going to ruin someone's life. Like, <laughs> I I would be yeah. alarmed if I encountered that, like, in the wild. It's it's kind of not okay how big it is. Yeah. No. It, I didn't GMO tuna. It is a thing, apparently. Like, do you think, <laughs> how many cats do you think it would take to eat that thing? How many people would it take to eat that thing? Um, Candace, I'm a little more interested in the cats. <laughs> if we just bring Drew in. Drew? Drew. Pipe him in. That are Either just, way. That are just a horde of white women for for sushi happy hour, and we'll just we'll wipe it yes. out real fast. Yeah. Oh. And it, I think it's partly... Like the tuna market egg in America, like like Charlie Tuna is a little guy. And then this is an Atlantic bluefin tuna in October of 1979. It was caught by fisherman Ken Fraser sailing out of Port Hood, Nova Scotia in eastern Canada. And it's nearly 1,500 pounds after they dehydrated it. So when it had water in its body, it was even heavier. It's it's It looks like a shark or a car or something. It's huge. Oh, my. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Upsetting. Upsetting is the word that comes to mind. I mean, honestly, I can't believe that there aren't like 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 monster stories that people tell their kids to scare them with tuna. Like it's big enough. Yeah. 
And also they're carnivorous. I feel like they're sort of like a shark, but for stuff that's smaller than us. Like, I, I don't know of any cases where a tuna try to eat a person, but it's eating the stuff smaller than us for sure. Oh, man, if it knew what we did to it, though, it would for sure be eating us. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. That one was so big that I'm like, if it encountered a person, would it eat yeah. it? Like, probably. It doesn't know any better. Like, True. Yeah. That thing would have eaten a golden retriever at least. Like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Someone get Air Bud in here. Yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah and, they, and they're usually not that big but the uh, the average size for an atlantic bluefin which is one of the world's largest fish in general is a weight of about 550 pounds a length of about six and a half feet so you know kind of as tall as a tall person and the weight of you know three people probably it's it's a really uh, massive thing out in the water there just really big wow big guy well and uh, and speaking of a lot uh the next number here is two million Two million. And that's the amount of eggs that one female skipjack tuna can release in one go. Oh. One female of the skipjack tuna species, two million eggs. Boom. That's so hot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's just showing off. Like, why do you need the idea of that many children? I would sooner. I will. I'll drown myself. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> It, yeah. it sounds gross, it's... but at the same time, like, well, that does mean more tuna, and we eat a lot of tuna, so... Eh. All right, no one can fight with your logic, yeah. Martellello. <laughs> <laughs> what did you just call I me? had a stroke when I said your Look. last name. I said Martellero. Martello- Why am I saying it wrong? Yeah. <laughs> no, Martellero is right, but you said Martellello. Because <laughs> I was drinking coffee, and I think it's kicking in. <laughs> Candace, if you're going to logic us that hard, we won't be able to say your name anymore. Our brains are going to short circuit. Understood. This is on you. Uh (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. And that's that's essentially what's going on with this animal. There's there's several tuna species, but the skipjack tuna, it turns out it's the most fish tuna type in the world. Over 60% of canned tuna in the U.S. is skipjack. They usually label it chunk light or some other name like that. And it's about half of the entire world's tuna catch by weight. Even though it's, you know, like a couple feet long, it's not the size of these, like, shark-shaped tuna. Can I ask a question? What, who decided that chunk and chunk light would sound better than the skipjack? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hey. That's way better branding, skipjack. Yeah. It sounds like a fun pal. It sounds like skipjack tuna. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know. It sounds like a snack. Like, yeah, this goes on a cracker. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Like, maybe, he like, was, maybe he panned for gold back in the day. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, right. we got chunk and chunk light. Chunk. It's so gross. It sounds, it sounds like a cartoon name. <laughs> oh, God. Skipjack. I mean, that sounds like Cracker Jack, even though they're two different, completely different things. But yeah, I would right. eat yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, just the name Jack. Feeling good about it. Jack Kennedy? Yeah. Great president. Cool. Skip? I mean, has there ever been a bad Skip? (laughs) My piano teacher was named Skip. He was a great guy. Fun dude. I can't imagine having a piano teacher named Skip. That's very funny to me. It's like, here we have have Beethoven, uh, Mozart, Uh Rachmaninoff, and Skip. What if all of them were nicknamed Skip? Like, I'm Skip Amadeus Mozart, and I'm here to do the show. Uh, <laughs> where's the green room? He's a comic now. He's a comic. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, the, the fun Skip Jack tuna here. So the main reason humans catch so many of these is that they're amazing at reproducing. And again, one female can release up to two million eggs in one go. They just spray them out into the water, and then the male skipjacks spray their sperm out into the water, and everything just mingles, and that's how the spawning works. This is the Uh, least sexy thing I have probably ever heard. (laughs) Also, this gives me reason 199 of why I'm not going in the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) 
like, ah, oh, pools are just fine. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I'm not swimming around in It that. skips sperm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That's so gnarly. I guess we don't have to feel guilty about peeing in the ocean anymore. Like, you know what? You, we're True. putting everything else in here. We might as well. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, we're cleaning it when we do that, right? It's like fair. we're... We're sterilizing it Sanitizing. in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, we're probably preventing tuna from reproducing. So maybe it is bad to pee. See, I've brought it full circle. I'm not going to lie. Every time I pee in the ocean, which I do frequently, uh, <laughs> I always have that moment of like, is this the moment where I'm going to get eaten by something is while I'm peeing? Like, I'm always like, what oh. an awful way to go. Like, you know what I mean? You're just in the middle of like taking a nice relaxing ocean urine and then all of a sudden right. you're just stung by a man of war eaten by a great white i mean but that's my fear valerie. that's the fear that lives in my head valerie i'm laughing because you're treating it like you know that thing we all do where we pee in the ocean all of us i i've done it Thank i can disclose you. that I don't yeah. need I don't need this harassment from you, Marlo. <laughs> <laughs> oh the logic will wear off. We will say it right again someday. <laughs> <laughs> well uh <laughs> The next story here, speaking of the news, uh the next story or next number here is twenty twenty one, the year twenty twenty one. That's the year when U.S. national newspapers investigated the tuna in Subway sandwiches. And people might have heard about this. There was a, a like scandal around tuna and Subway sandwiches. Uh, There's a great breakdown of the timeline over at Mental Floss because it's several newspapers, or really two newspapers. Uh, in January 2021, the Washington Post covered a lawsuit in California where two Subway customers alleged the restaurant lied about its tuna. And in particular, that all of their tuna is either the yellowfin species or the skipjack species. And they said, it's not actually the fish you think. We're suing. Uh, the way, yeah, the way you said that, I thought you said that we're suing the tuna. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I was very confused. I was like, I don't know where they think this is going to go in court, but. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, it, apparently uh, they went for a really broad lawsuit, and then their lawyers had them condense it down to it's not these exact species of tuna. But, you know, that lawsuit uh, apparently didn't go anywhere. But then in June 2021, a New York Times reporter investigated California subway tuna, and they ordered... I don't know why they bothered. Uh, it's across the country. But they ordered 60 tuna sandwiches from three different subway franchises in Los Angeles, and they had a laboratory-run PCR tests for five different tuna DNA types, uh, <laughs> including the two subway says it uses. Uh, so this was a laboratory. It was, like, running footlongs, you know, through whatever. Can we just talk about the fact okay. that we're getting PCR test results for tuna back faster than we are for our COVID tests? <laughs> yeah. I was just about to say, I was like, I am so upset in the year 2021 <laughs> that resources went to this. I know. <laughs> what? Right. Also, yeah, no need for that then. Uh, also, what... I didn't know tuna connoisseurs existed. Like, is it, are they a tuna sommelier? Like, how are they able to look at that tuna and be like, absolutely not yellow jack? You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy to me. Who cares? I know. I, like, it's tuna. Yeah. I said yellow jack, ta yellow tail, and I can't. I'm just, well. Yeah, well, yellow fin. It's yeah, all you know. Like, yeah. like, whatever it is. Some You made a hybrid. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it probably it's in the next year or two, it'll probably be something we're growing in a lab anyway. Yeah. What? Just bigger and oh bigger tuna. God. Like it's just the movie Deep Blue Sea. But oh, it's going to be the, it's going to be the Meg only with tuna. <laughs> the tune. Yeah. The <laughs> For some reason, I'm more upset about the thought of being devoured by a giant tuna than a giant shark. Yeah. Right. Getting eaten, like, getting eaten by your like middle school lunch—that's like, like, <laughs> like at least a shark is like bad. 
Oh, I can't say that. Sorry. Uh, I'll take that again. Um, wow. At least a shark. <laughs> I know I did it. I said the thing. I'm not supposed to say. I also just want to point out the irony of you swearing before I did. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's true, though. Like, it's like if you're like, help a tuna, no one will come. They're not interested. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, at least a shark is tough. Like, it. It's intimidating. A tuna just sounds like you're a dork if you got eaten by a tuna. <laughs> what happened to Jason? Oh, man. Did you not hear? <laughs> oh, the, the great tuna incident of 2022. Like, oh. Yeah, then in 2021, this laboratory doing PCR tests for DNA tuna... And this is when the story became famous because the lab said they could not amplify any tuna DNA in the sandwiches of any of the five kinds they looked for. And so then the headlines became Subway Tuna is not tuna was the news story. And that's not probably true, which we'll talk about. But this was a scandal uh, in the middle of last year was that it's some kind of fake paste instead of tuna. I I don't care. I like <laughs> 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 it was it's the year 2021 i i have real problems yeah, yeah. Like, Could it, i'll eat whatever subway is putting on the sandwich as long as it doesn't kill me imagine yeah. imagine trying to explain to somebody that is uh i don't know maybe in europe currently about what we're dealing with in america it's like <laughs> no, but you guys don't understand like are you kidding me oh this one fast food outlet maybe doesn't have legitimate tuna. Like crazy, right? I know. Right. <laughs> We're limited to their 17 other kinds of sandwich. It's awful. I, I can't even eat there except for everything else. Yeah. I, oh, God. And then the, the science of these tests is the, the lab said there were two possibilities because there was no DNA. They said either the tuna is so heavily processed that they couldn't ID the DNA or it's another fish. Like they did get DNA and they're wrong. Subway responded and said that they cook their tuna before serving it, which everybody knows. But that causes the DNA to do something called denaturing which is where the two strands split apart and break down, and that makes it not detectable in a PCR test. And the New York Times affirmed that's possibly why there wasn't DNA in the tests. So we still don't really know. It's it's probably tuna, or it's another fish mislabeled. I have a question. Yeah. So when you open a can of tuna, isn't that, I mean, is it not, is it cooked or not cooked? Because it looks like it's cooked, right? Because of the color? Yeah. Yeah, it's cooked if you're a human eating it, yeah. So then if you did a PCR test on a can of tuna, would it come back as tuna? Because that's my question. It's like up in the air, because also when this I was... I will get to the bottom of this. <laughs> <laughs> Valerie, don't leave for your lab. No, come back. No. <laughs> Beakers, explosions. Everything. I know. Just, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because also when this was happening, the TV show Inside Edition, like, separately did DNA testing of tuna and did and did find DNA in the subway tuna. So I think it's kind of a shoot. I think it's whatever happens, happens. You know, there are serial killers out there we still haven't found. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why are these resources? The only thing I could see with this yeah. tuna paste situation is if you have a very specific food allergy, mm -hmm. maybe then. But even then, right, I feel right. like it, nothing's going to be that specific. Well, maybe, but um, that's right on. But that's like the only thing I could see. Because <laughs> yeah. there is that. That's a kind of the main concern people have with it. Because apparently, sometimes fish is labeled as tuna, but it's a mislabeled other fish. And one of them is a fish called escolar that has really high quantities of oils that can give people stomach problems and digestive problems. It's not lethal or anything, but like, you know, if it's mislabeled, it could do different stuff to your body, but otherwise it's just kind of fish. Like it's probably fine. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I can kind of see that argument, but especially if it's not lethal, it's like, I don't, don't eat tuna that. I don't know. <laughs> get, yeah. Get star kissed where you know it's, it's going to be chunk light. <laughs> <laughs> 
Candace has absolutely no empathy for these people right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. That's true. No, that happens. But it is, yeah, like like the Washington Post and the New York Times were monitoring California Subway sandwich restaurant tuna. I don't know why or how this happened. It's a waste of everyone's time. (laughs) This is why the insurrection happened. We were too busy IDing tuna. (laughs) Wow, the lawsuit was January 2021. What if it was like... I'm Across town, you know, like <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I am just saying. Look at the facts. I'm just asking questions, okay? I'm just asking questions. <laughs> I'm also laughing at like what reporter was on that of like, no, no, I I got the scoop over yeah. here. Like, oh, sorry, I can't go over happy hour, you guys. I'm on the tuna beat. <laughs> <laughs> Off of that, we are going to a short break, followed by a whole new takeaway. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So, I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them, and then you just stay there like, like really quiet. And try and creep them out. (laughs) It's just really boring. Because of Jordan, right? Not me. Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. Well, uh, (laughs) I think there's there's one more number here, and it uh, gets into a whole other thing about people eating tuna and the first takeaway. The last number is 333.6 million Japanese yen. So that's about a third of a billion Japanese yen, which is about $3 million U.S. That was the price paid for one tuna, a bluefin tuna in Tokyo in 2019. Somebody paid that money for the one fish. Why? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a a luxury fish. And that, that takes us into takeaway number one. Across modern history, tuna has been one of the most popular human foods and one of the least popular human foods. Oh. It's been it's been super popular luxury, super canned, and then also something people thought was basically waste. And uh, we'll talk in particular about the U.S. and Japan being countries for that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because this this three million dollar fish, it was bought uh, by sushi chain owner Kiyoshi Kimura at the famed Tsukiji fish market in Tokyo. And it's like partly a publicity thing for his restaurants, but he he talked to reporters and said, quote, the tuna looks so tasty and very fresh, but I think I did pay a little too much, end quote. How big was the tuna? It was 612 pounds. So so it's big, but NPR says that's over $4,000 per pound of fish, and it's not going to sell for that price, even though it's nice tuna. Wow. You know, listening to this, I realize I'm part of the problem. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Go on. (laughs) I think our our love of sushi and and fish is just too too high. Like it can't. No amount of anything is worth that much money. Can I make it? it, That's can I make a really really stupid joke? Would you say? Would you say it's not? Sustainable. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, Candace is 
politely laughing. I just, I can see it in her eyes. <laughs> Fish jokes, folks. It's a tuna episode. What'd you expect? Mm-hmm. What's coming? Mm-hmm. Folks. We love to see it. So, <laughs> so dumb. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this, there's like high, high end luxury. This was a Pacific bluefin tuna. It's similar to the Atlantic one. It's that big size of fish. The Atlantic magazine says it's considered an honor to purchase the first bluefin at the first auction at this Tokyo market every year. Uh, that same guy in 2013 spent 1.76 million U.S. on another tuna. Like, it's it's kind of a thing of, this is the center of our sushi industry and fishing industry. And if you're amazing at business, you do like a, almost like buying art, like a flashy purchase to let people know. I was going to say, it almost feels like an art auction, except it's fish. Yeah, that will just get eaten. <laughs> it's not going to be put on a wall. Yeah. You know... <laughs> You know, in a way, I'm kind of for it, because, like, at least that's being put to a very concrete use. I, do, I just want you to say, True. I just want to say that um, you're saying that you're not going to put it on a wall is a uh, big mouth Billy Bass erasure. <laughs> <laughs> the tune is just going like a statistician. Like, it's just, it's heard the episode, so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So this this tuna people have eaten tuna for millennia, but in modern times there was kind of a flip where it became super unpopular as human food and then super popular again. But also like like historically, it goes way way back. Fishing tuna. Uh, one source here is a book called Tuna: A Love Story by science writer Richard Ellis. And he says that in particular in the Mediterranean, there's an old practice in Sicily called matanza, which is where gangs of fishermen use nets to kind of round up tuna and then use big hooked spears to hack them up. Uh, This was also called almadraba in Spain. It's based on tuna fishing techniques from ancient Phoenicia. So thousands of years people have been like fishing, hauling out, eating tuna. It's very common food. That's so, I always wonder like, who was the first person to eat it? Who was like, I'm not going to do it. Are you going to do it? Like, it's like for when it's around that long, like it's always fascinating to me hearing how long people have been doing certain things. Yeah. And like what the circumstances were around, like mm-hmm. what, what made you decide to try it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also, and it's a saltwater fish and it lives in most parts of the ocean. So like most world cultures that were near saltwater, they have like, you know, tuna in their food and cuisine and stuff. Yeah. Like after, you know, the first person made that leap, everybody was like, great, I'm I'm in, let's do it. But, uh, and then there's like a weird flip where, especially in the 1800s and 1900s, tuna was easy to catch, but not popular. It was not this luxury thing we think of with sushi and everything else. And one big example is in Japan. Smithsonian says that in Japan in the 1830s and the 1840s, fishermen introduced new techniques that caught lots more tuna, but it was sold as like a cheap street food. It was not popular. It was also called a Japanese phrase, which is neko matagi. And neko matagi means fish that even a cat would disdain. Oh, no. Which is silly. My cats love it. It's not true. Yeah, uh, I, I can't. Yeah. Oh, man. It's just inaccurate. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe people are just bullying tuna. Yeah, like less than 200 years ago, for some reason, everybody was like, this is trash. Don't want it. Stupid fish. It's like with it's like with lobster, too, how they would just give it to prisoners and stuff. And now it's like this massive like delicacy. It's so funny how it just shifts and changes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, Valerie, you're, you're from New England, right? So, like, Oh, I sure am. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't tell so it by my... Ag- yeah, I was like, if you couldn't tell by absolute aggression, I am from New England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I'm from outside Chicago, and other than some lake stuff, we just didn't have, like, seafood seafood, you know? It, it seems like growing up with it, it must be very different. Oh, yeah. And even, like, whenever I travel and... Uh, people will be like, oh, we should get sushi or something while we're here. And I'm like, 
uh, no, we're in the middle of the country. We're not getting sushi in the middle of the country. I'm like, we're nowhere near water. Absolutely not. What are you doing? I tried to warn people right. of that when we were in Arizona, like in Phoenix. And I was like, we're not. Mm. Absolutely not. And they and then they got it. And guess what? Got sick. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, and Candace probably loved it. She's probably like so excited <laughs> to see it. My favorite thing. I love when, <laughs> when people have upset stomachs, it makes my day. <laughs> you know what's sad, though? In this specific circumstance, I am kind of happy because I'm like, Valerie was right. You should have listened. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being my hype man. I appreciate it. Good advice. Good advice. What do you do? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and yeah, and then in in Japan, these these street vendors did develop some recipes for nigiri sushi and some of the first tuna based sushi. But apparently it took a lot of decades for that to become popular. And there are also like old timer sushi fans who think that tuna is like not traditional enough. According to Smithsonian, quote, traditional sushi connoisseurs enjoy the often crunchier, more subtly flavored muscle tissues of animals like squid, clams, jacks, flounder, and sea bream. You can't see it, but I'm shaking my head in yeah. disagreement. <laughs> no. I actually, like, squid and, and, and that type of, like that, even clams I'm not a big fan of, which I know is sacrilege me, as I just aggressively told you I'm for the East Coast. But it's very like, <laughs> it's the texture that I can't, I can't do it. It's like not, I, I do yeah. like, I will say I like mussels. But they're really the mm. only one that, I mean, usually because they're like in a broth or something that they're like really tasty. But clams, oysters, yeah. yeah and, yeah, no. Yeah, there's such a range of seafood textures. Yeah. And these these old timer fans are like, tuna is too mainstream and easy. Like, no, not not for real. Even though a lot of people, that's their go-to sushi. Like, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And then on... The other hand, now Japan has gotten so into tuna as a food, there's now a delicacy of eating tuna eyeball. They saute it or they braise it. You can get it in an izakaya restaurant. Uh, and then there's also a cocktail called tuna's tears, which is alcoholic soju. And then you put a raw tuna eyeball nope. lens into it. Oh my God, why? <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Well, Atlas Obscura has a page about it. But yeah, that's like a snack you can get is like a bluefin's eyeball with, you know, cooked and some other stuff on it. Listen, as somebody with an astigmatism in both eyes, I feel like this is just flaunting wealth and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, that's really super flipped in Japan. Like these bluefin tuna now sell for millions of dollars individually and, and they're an absolute delicacy of steaks and sushi and everything else. Yeah. And then the other big example is the United States. It was tuna was pretty unpopular here before the 20th century. As recently as the 1960s, bluefin tuna would sell for pennies per pound. And then also on the Atlantic coast of the U.S., in the mid 20th century, there was a craze for tuna fishing, but specifically as sport fishing. Like it was people competing to catch the biggest tuna and win a contest. And then apparently after they waited and took the picture and everything, they would just get rid of the tuna that they killed. Oh, and no. Like, best case scenario, it either got thrown back in the ocean or turned into pet food. But sometimes it just went into a landfill. Like, they fully did not eat it or use it or anything because they were like, this is just a trash fish that we hunt. Like, this is not for people to eat. So wait, the one that you showed us, the, the huge one... Do you think that that one ended up in the landfill? Uh, I would say no, because it was 1979. By then, okay. they knew it was worth something. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. That's such a waste. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess like in the 40s and 50s, they would be like, I'm smoking around a baby and I'm going to catch a tuna and throw it out. <laughs> like that's that is stuff that makes sense. That's what I do. I'm going to I'm going to drive to the boatyard. Absolutely wasted. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Without a seatbelt and like, yeah. <laughs> oh. oh man. Yeah, it was, and so there's been a obviously massive change. We we really like tuna, and there were several factors that changed it in the U.S. One of the biggest is that California had a bunch of canneries for sardines. Sardines were hugely popular here, 
And then the sardine population was overfished and crashed. Uh, and apparently this was particularly in California. They had all these canneries that were like, well, if there's no sardines, we're out of business. But in 1903, a cannery owner named Albert P. Halfhill started just putting tunas in the cans. And then that sold okay and, and saved the canneries. People did that. See, now based off of what happened with Subway, this would never fly now. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> People would be like, I wanted sardines. What is this atrocity? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they obviously came like replenished at some point because you you know there's not a sardine shortage now you can buy them is it because people realize that they're gross (laughs) probably (laughs) i i am a a gross weirdo that i like uh pickled herring i'll do that you're out here throwing stones about people not having tummies that can support certain kinds of fish and you're just flaunting that you're like pickled herring (laughs) i eat it every day (laughs) where do you even get pickled herring like what trader joe's Ah. trader joe's just has pickled herring yeah oh god what kind of mildly racist name do they have for it (laughs) this one is just straight up pickled herring on the (laughs) they they didn't mess around with this one It's just uh, like Trader Gross Guy. Like, it's not even a different yeah. culture. Yeah, it's, it's, Trader, like... it's Trader Gross. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the weirdo buying it and being like, I like this. <laughs> Sorry I'm late on my rent. I went a little overboard with the pickled herring this month. <laughs> it is. I like it on crackers. So you can't tell that it was once. You can't, It's not like in its true form. <laughs> This is what I'm trying it's, to say. It doesn't... Okay, this this is... I'm only making this worse, and it's only going to get more gross. Um, its <laughs> head and its tail are gone, but, like, the shape of the fish body is still there. Are you kidding me? So, oh, God, wow. why? <laughs> See, this I is... Because so I'm a, not it's that... It's just a stump of herring, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a herring torso, is what I mean. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Trader torsos, pickled herring. Come on down. You should you should maybe put a disclaimer on this uh episode that this is not vegan friendly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I I am phobic about jellyfish. And months back patrons picked jellyfish as a topic and then I had to like grit my teeth and get through it. And I'm not phobic about fish like tuna, but Sea creatures are gross. And this is really just bringing this out. Like, the sea is full of (laughs) nightmares. I don't like it. Okay, so, like, long ago, back when I was engaged, why? Back when I was, yeah, (laughs) gross. Even grosser. To a tuna? No, go on. (laughs) Might as well have been. Uh, (laughs) Ironically, well, I don't say, I don't need to say his name. Um, So, this was back when I was, like, 23. um, And I went to, his parents had, like, a property on Hawaii, and so we went and um and so we were there and we were swimming in the ocean like a, a very secluded beach and while we were in the water he got stung by a man of war and uh. it was so gnarly that hmm. uh talk about peeing in the ocean because guess what we had to do and also <laughs> we had to like rush him to like driving around sea cliffs to rush him to get to like a fire department to get yeah. like attention and stuff like they had to give him oxygen all this crazy stuff and the marks that he had on his body from the jellyfish were there for a year. And he looked like he had like some, yeah. Cause he like, he felt it and he tried to get away from it. And then it just like kept hitting him all over. And so it was, cause I think it was their breeding season or something. And we just didn't know. And it literally, mm. he looked like he had some weird skin disorder for like a year. We like, people would stare at him in the grocery store. It was like wild. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh. Thank you. I'm right about jellyfish. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. Yeah. And this backs up. This is now reason 200 of why I don't need to be in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Land is going great. Up here? Oh, yeah. baby. Oh, oh, you think I'm land good. is going great? I don't <laughs> well, good point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, land and sea aren't going so great, which is why all the millionaires are like, we're going to try space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. That's a good point. 
You know, speaking of land stuff, so another reason tuna got popular in the U.S. is World War One. Not a great time. But uh, <laughs> the American troops sent there, they got fed a lot of tuna because it was a cheap protein and easy to transport in cans. Uh, and then also Americans at home ate a lot of it because of food rationing. Like other stuff they were used to was rationed more they could get tuna. So like like 1900s, 1910s is really when Americans start bothering to eat tuna. You know, that seems to track in my mind if I had to say, like, what time period do you think Americans started eating tuna? I would have picked the 1910s yeah. for no, like, valid reason. It just feels like, ah, that seems like canneries were in business and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whenever you see photos yeah. of, like, old, like, old-timey shops and stuff, it's, like, mostly cans. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, And also, like tuna marketing in the early 20th century they really did a good job and in particular the brand name chicken of the sea started in 1930 and then also that concept was just a really big hook like just comparing it to chicken people were like well now i like it obviously great (laughs) isn't that so funny it's like all it takes is like one rephrasing of something and suddenly people are like oh great and then they just are on board (laughs) What, what do you think we could what do you what's the hook for pickled herring do you think Oh. There's not one. That that pickled herring is just only Candace and another friend of ours eat this, and that's it. No, you're trying to keep it for yourself. We're going to crack this. Yeah. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, I would appreciate it if I wasn't the only sicko eating pickled uh-huh. herring. <laughs> pickled herring, if sardines were hot. <laughs> that's... I don't like sardines. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Sardines wish. Like, <laughs> so stupid. Um, yeah. Also, the, the chicken of the sea, the, the whole chicken of the sea thing, it also comes back to that thing of how we say everything tastes like chicken. Mm, yeah. I don't, I don't know why chicken became like the universal, like, this is okay. This is okay meat to eat and if anything relates to it then it's fine i wonder if maybe because it's like meat that if you think about it like kids it's like real. it's like a kid-friendly meat even too you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, like most kids are like yeah i I don't know maybe if that's part of it can you imagine if we had steak mcnuggets like (laughs) (laughs) i am cutting that from the show so we can make it nobody's gonna beat Uh, us to it that's too good of an idea (laughs) I mean, so steak McNuggets. Oh God, yeah, it needs like. Oh God, my dad's like my dad. He calls he calls McNuggets beaks and combs. <laughs> like it's so gross. <laughs> He's like, oh, Accurate. you like those beaks and combs? I'm like, oh, it's so gross. Yeah, <laughs> not anymore. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh. And uh, the other the other last trend that made tuna more popular in the U.S. is sushi. Like sushi became a practice here. It became something that became popular. There's kind of a two way exchange of of sushi fish between the U.S. and Japan, because Smithsonian has a story where in the 1970s, there were whole cargo planes of Japanese consumer electronics being delivered to the United States that was really taking off. And then it was like, what do we put in the planes going back? And one of the things they picked was Atlantic bluefin tuna. So a lot of bluefin caught in the Atlantic are like packed up and shipped to Japan to be served in sushi restaurants there. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. And the whole scale of the system has just really grown, especially the last few decades. According to the International Union for Conservation of Nature, between 1970 and 1990, bluefin catching at the in the Atlantic Ocean went up 2,000%. Wow. And the average price of bluefin in Japan went up 10,000%. Oh, my God. So it truly went from being considered fully worthless to being the biggest delicacy and, and luxury thing you can get. Because we changed our minds. It's the same fish. Can you imagine... If you had some like cheap food item that's like your comfort food, that's just like the thing you eat all the time because it's your favorite and over, you know, out of nowhere, suddenly everyone decided, no, this is now a delicacy and now you can't afford it. Oh, no. I'd be so upset. That happened. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. That also sounds like just any any food that claims to be organic. <laughs> it's like, yes. it's like sorry, <laughs> we've yeah. we've decided that since it's grown in a different way, uh, you no longer can have it. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is no longer for Candace, you. Candace, is yeah. this your way of telling us that they've raised the price on pickled herring? <laughs> <laughs> now it says like all I picture you eating. Like I okay. To be clear, I eat it once in a while. I thought you were gonna say like, once a day. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I stopped eating it so we could tape. Okay, I put it down, <laughs> and it's out of frame. <laughs> I, um, if you hear a knock on your door, it's because I'm sending a case of pickled herring to your house. Like I can't. I don't. <laughs> I don't want that much pickled. I'm gonna. It's like I'm a, gonna door dash you so much pickled herring. <laughs> it's a it's a once in a while snack. I buy one can that sits in my Ooh. pantry for like a few weeks and then I eat it. <laughs> one can that sits in the sun for so long. <laughs> my pantry is not in the sun. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's uh, and there's just one takeaway for the one other takeaway for the main episode. So we'll get into it. Takeaway number two: Bluefin tuna have unique swimming superpowers. This is pretty quick, and it's about the Pacific, especially uh, bluefin tuna. This huge, amazing fish. It swims in ways that are like mind-boggling. Uh, and there's a couple sources here. It's National Geographic, a piece by Ed Young, also the Smithsonian Ocean and Atlas Obscura. The first thing is just that they're really fast. An adult Pacific bluefin tuna can swim at a speed of over 30 miles per hour, which is over 48 kilometers per hour. That's crazy. So they just rip through the ocean. Yeah. Is is there like a reason why they can do that or it's just a... Yeah, there's uh, they have like a few abilities and also I'm, I'm sure they developed it to be more effective predators because they're carnivores. They're eating other animals in the sea, so they are catching them. That makes sense. But the most the most amazing swimming ability they have is that they are a special type of warm blooded, like part of their body is if people know they're warm blooded and cold blooded animals, um, a warm blooded animal can use internal processes to keep its body temperature warmer than its environment. And then, like, humans are warm-blooded, mammals are warm-blooded. Uh, stuff like reptiles is cold-blooded, where it it takes in heat from outside. And almost all fish are cold-blooded, but tuna species and a few shark species are able to selectively warm up parts of their bodies. Uh, and they use this for their swimming muscles, so they keep those warm and then they swim faster. I can't believe that a tuna swims faster than most of our grandparents drive. <laughs> like, that's like <laughs> truly insane. Like, yeah. It's, it's also terrifying because in my mind, I'm picturing these like super tuna to be the size of that huge one that you sent us at the beginning. Kind of. And yeah. so I'm like, the idea of that thing going like 40 miles an hour is terrifying. That is a car. That's, that's driving a car through the ocean. Yep. So when are you yeah. when are you going in for a dip, Candace? <laughs> this is reason two hundred and one of why I'm not going in the oh. ocean. <laughs> yeah, high speed tuna. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> high speed tuna. Oh God. Yeah, I can't go in there. I'm gonna get run over by a bluefin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And they, these Pacific ones, they also have a thing where their blood vessel network is specialized. So a lot of fish lose heat through their gills because that's sort of an opening to lose it. And then Pacific bluefin, the warmer veins are toward the inside. The cooler arteries are toward the outside. So it's sort of hard to understand. I'll link about it. But like the heat leaves the veins on the inside and goes to the arteries on the outside and more of it stays in their body than other fish. They're just freaks temperature wise. So crazy. Yeah. Did they did these fish go through like MK Ultra or something? Or like <laughs> <laughs> develop special powers? Yeah. yeah. Is this is this fish like in the Avengers? Like what's going on? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the uh, the last thing is they do it feels very unnecessary to me, but there must be a reason. They do a humongous migration back and forth across the entire Pacific Ocean. Pacific bluefin tuna spawn in East Asia, 
swim 5,000 miles, which is over 8,000 kilometers, to California. And then they make the trip back to East Asia later in life and spawn again. Well, I mean, they're if just they're... going back and forth across the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, if you can go that fast, why not? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, right? I like these, it's like a I flight. Like, like oh, I'll get there soon. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I love that these tuna are like tourists. <laughs> They're just like, you guys want to go for the winter? I'm just kind of over it here. You know what I mean? It's a little too cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, it's like for different stages of their life, apparently they start the trip when they are one year old from East Asia to California. And then the several years off the coast of California, they're just eating and growing and then they go all the way back to breed. And then also some of them continue after breeding, go down toward New Zealand and Australia, which is another huge distance and a whole nother trip they do. They're just like constantly moving all over the ocean for some reason. Do you know what their lifespan is? Oh, great question. I know they go, they go to California age one, come back around age seven. But I don't know how long they live. Let's see. Yeah. How many trips to Greece are these things making? <laughs> 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 this is, average lifespan is about 15 years wow. and they can live up to 26 years if they're lucky i guess wow so uh, yeah just huh. a, a long for an animal life of constantly crisscrossing the biggest ocean in the world i mean what else are they gonna do <laughs> true <laughs> <laughs> wow candace throwing shade over the tuna right now <laughs> Yeah. Get a also, job. I'm kinda... <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that is the main episode for this week. My thanks to Candace Martellero and Valerie Tossi for being so down for this topic. Right? Like, such connections to it. Candace's entire family. Like, what a tuna group. Really felt good. Anyway, I said that's the main episode, because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com. Patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is an uplifting environmental and political story about tuna from the Pacific Ocean, and then another story like that from the Atlantic Ocean. Two stories of tuna politics, they're both good news. Visit sifpod.fun for that bonus show, for a library of more than seven dozen other bonus shows, and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring tuna with us. Here's one more run through the big takeaways. Takeaway number one, across modern history, tuna has been one of the most popular human foods and one of the least popular human foods. Takeaway number two, bluefin tuna have unique swimming superpowers, plus incredible humongous numbers about fish and Subway sandwich mysteries and more. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow my guests. They're great. Candace Martellero is producing and working on the new season of Hanging with Dr. Z. Season two is airing on YouTube right now. Maybe airing is not the right word, but it releases every Monday on YouTube. It's free. You can go check it out. And again, Hanging with Dr. Z is a late night talk show with incredible guests and a house band hosted by Dr. Zayas, the character from Planet of the Apes, the talking ape who is a doctor. Also, separate thought about Hanging with Dr. Z. It's a show you might enjoy if you like the comedian Dana Gould. This is a very separate thought from my enthusiasm about Dr. Zayas, the very real ape who is a doctor. But also, if you're a fan of Dana Gould, I think that just aligns, uh, you know, somehow. Anyway, enough about that show. Valerie Tossi, my other guest today, has an amazing new stand-up comedy album that you can hear. It is titled Beach Trash. You can search that where you stream things and ideally buy it. We will have links for both. It's recorded live at the Comedy Attic in Bloomington, Indiana. That's Valerie Tossi's album. And then please follow both these wonderful people on the social medias. Candace Martellero is at Candace Mart on Twitter, and she's Candace underscore Martellero underscore on Instagram. Her name is spelled Candace with a K. Valerie Tossi is at Valerie underscore Tossi on all the socials. That last name is spelled T-O-S-I, Tossi. And of course, like always, all that stuff is linked 
at sifpod.fun. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. A great article in Hakai Magazine written by Christopher Pollan. A great book titled Tuna, A Love Story by science writer Richard Ellis, plus tons more resources from National Geographic, Atlas Obscura, Smithsonian Magazine, NPR. Find those and many more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by The Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show. And thank you to all our listeners. I'm thrilled to say we will be back next week with more Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then. (laughs) 